You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There you go. Does the Pope wear a hat with Sergeant York's mother and angel? And will a banker grope for money? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast, whatever the name of this thing is called. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Gotta mix it up once in a while, I guess. I don't I don't know why I just blanked it out. I don't know what the rest of it is either. You probably should by now. But thanks for, for uh, you know, stopping by. Um, I'm, I'm, This is probably why I got lost. I'm, I'm literally thinking as I'm starting. I probably should have thought and then started, but I... um. Yesterday, I played a clip from a movie that I like that's not not unknown. It's, it's relatively well-known. If, if you're a, uh, a movie buff, you know the movie. But if you're not, you probably don't. It's kind of in that category. And so I thought it'd be kind of funny. I know, like, radios, radio stations or whatever used to do this, or maybe they still do. But they'd have something like, you know, call in if you know this thing or that thing or whatever. So I want, because I don't think I said what the name of that movie was yesterday. I, I planned not to. I want to do something to the effect of, if you can tell me all the movies that I played this week, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I will do something. And I'm not sure what exactly that something is. Maybe like a t-shirt or something, I don't know. But keep that in the back of your mind. So I'm going to be playing five different movies. I've got one other in mind that's going to be very difficult, but it's one of my favorites, and it's very not well-known. But, you know, there's always Google to help you out if you're really itching for it. But it's more fun if you don't use Google, you know what I mean? So, anyways, keep that in the back of your mind. It's not like I'm burying it in the episode. Just play the first five seconds, and there you go. But anyways, today we're going to do something that I have been talking about since forever. That thing that uh, I said I worked on that, uh, you know, I keep forgetting to send to myself, I remembered. Ta-da! And so I'm look, what, what I'm going to do today is kind of like a 53, it is a 53-man roster, but it's not really a prediction. I wanted to do a 53, but from a different perspective, a different vantage point. Usually when I do a 53-man roster, the way that I do it is you get the whole roster out, and you just put in the people that are locks. And then you go from there and you kind of go and look at the not quite locks, but I'm almost positive. There's there's very little chance. Sort of the the Mike Daniels from last year or whatever. The, the guys that you would say almost no chance and then, you know, but there is that, that slight chance, even though it seems impossible. I don't know, like a, a Lane Taylor or MVS maybe. Something like that. But anyways, that's not what I did this time around. I wanted to look at it from a different perspective because the the biggest, the, or the question I had at the time was, well, how many at each position do they usually keep? And so I did that. I looked from 2019 back to 2010, 
and I looked at how many people from those positions, and, and obviously it, it changes from from month to month. I'm using our lads, and if you look at September or August, you know, so it, it depends when they do the cut down. And then if you go another, another month, it's possible that things have changed since then. But it, you know, it's not an exact science. It's close enough. And so I've got this sheet up and I, I always say this and I always forget, and I apologize for that. I'm going to try to remember to put this up in the Patreon um, group so that you guys can actually see all this laid out. So you don't have to go do it, but it didn't take all that long, I guess. But I have the lowest number they've ever used at, at the position, the most they've ever used at the position, this is over the last 10 years, and then the average. And then what I did is I took the average, and I used that to inform my 53. The interesting thing is there's one extra. It only When you use the averages, and you obviously have to round up or round down, I ended up with 52, so I get one piece that I can put wherever I want. Now, fortunately, fortunately for me, I decided to put Boyle in there, who I had initially left off, because, you know, it's two is the answer. And my extra piece, I decided to put Boyle in there, and it sounds like that's kind of the way it's going to go. The The problem is, the really upset, well, I guess we don't need to go there yet. The thing that really stinks about it, and, it, and it, it, it doesn't have to be this way, but it's, I'm just upset that I lost that extra piece in another position, because it makes me sad. But anyways, that's the plan for today. So it's it's kind of a 53, but it's also just kind of more of a discussion about what the Packers usually do, because I think every time you do a 53, you look at it and say, well, there's no way this guy's off. There's no way they do this. There's no way they do that. But in reality, there is a way. It just feels like there's no way, but there is. So basically it's a 53 and the final roster is the least important part of this, if that makes sense. The final decision or conclusion or whatever. But that's it. Get in the group, like the page. If you want to support the show, a billion and 10 ways to do that. There's uh, some links in the description. Otherwise, you can reach out to me directly if you have any thoughts or comments or whatever. If you have anything nice to say, feel free to leave those in the uh, five-star iTunes review. Negative reviews, just send directly to me. That would be great. Funny thing is, it's almost exactly opposite. Because if you have something nice to say, you want to tell the person. And if you have something not nice to say, you want to just trash the guy. And you're, you know, that would take some level of courage to have to confront somebody, and people don't like to do that. So it's, unfortunately, it usually goes the other way around. But that's the way I would like it to be. It has happened, though. I don't think I've ever ripped anyone's head off for telling me I'm a loser or whatever. Anyways, let's just take a break, and um, we'll just look into this. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so I got this laid out basically the, uh, the way our lads does, so it might seem out of order to you, but whatever. So looking at wide receiver, it's been relatively consistent over the last, well, it's been completely consistent over the last three years where the Packers have kept six wide receivers. They haven't kept anything less than six wide receivers since 2015. And interestingly enough, um, they kept less consistently. If you look from 2010 to 2015, it was 5-5, five, 6-4, five, 5-5. Five, five. So the peak was 2012 was 6, otherwise it's 4-5. Since then, 7-6-6-6. Six, six, six. I have to assume there's some slight correlation between the lack of top-tier talent and the need to stack more wide receivers. You see that we've um, brought in Travis Fulgham, the wide receiver uh, who the Lions waved. It's the second time we've heard about wide receivers in the last couple days. When you don't have a lot, you kind of have to stack bodies because you never really know who's going to pan out and who's not. When you've got four really good wide receivers, you got your four and then, you know, one more just in case some catastrophe strikes. But you know who the guys are. But the average here that I've got is five and a half. So I rounded that up to six, which is right in line with what they've done over the last three years. So with that six, and and again, this is the least important part. I'll think through the 53-man roster a little bit more as we get some more information a little bit later on. But for now, I've got Devontae, Lazard, EQ. And I know I mentioned how when they say things, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Keep in mind, I'm saying not necessarily. I'm not just saying they're lying and they hate everybody. I'm just saying, you know, just because they say something doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be great, which is the mistake that we make quite often. Because I do believe that they believe Equinemius is a really good wide receiver. Maybe I'm just saying that because I believe it. It's entirely possible. I'm being biased just like a lot of other people get biased. But everything that was said about him yesterday by uh, Brian Gutekunst rings true to me. The reason they're so confident in him is how he ended uh, 2018. Some of the catches he made, some of the routes he was running, I thought he looked really, really good. And then he went on to say he also looked really good in 2019 um, during practice, training camp, whatever, prior to getting hurt. Now, again, that even the, they, even if they believe it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. right? They can believe whatever they want. I mean, they believe Jordan Love is going to be the next great quarterback. I know they believe that because they traded up to draft him. doesn't mean it's true. I hope it is, but, um, so I've got EQ, and this isn't necessarily an order of who's going to be best or worst, it's just whatever, EQ made the most sense as a lock just because they want to see what he can do. After that, I put MVS, although if they cut him, I wouldn't be entirely shocked, but I do think that they still believe they're going to give him one last chance, especially after hearing about him having somewhat of an injury, but I do think he's on very thin ice. I do not believe Kumaro's coming back. I just really don't. He's getting up in age. I don't think he's ever really been that that X factor again. He's he's a guy that has a good game here or there, right? And it's something that the real big Kumaro fans and and I've said this several times. I was the first big Kumaro fan, and the only reason I was is because he's he's a guy that grew up in Illinois that went to Whitewater. So I'm like, oh, that's my guy. I expected him to get cut instantly. I didn't think he'd get anywhere, and he's made it this far. But I, I think at this point, it's just he doesn't have all that much to offer. So that leaves us with Reggie Begleton, you know, Daryl Stewart, Darius Shepard, Malik Taylor, Travis Fulgham, KB Ento. I'm going to throw Reggie Begleton in there, although I don't have massively high hopes for him. It's Again, it's a situation where 
two things can be true at one. He's not very good, and he makes the team. Now, if he ends up getting cut, I'm not going to be shocked by that even a little bit. I just, I don't have any real information between all these guys that leads me to believe one person is going to be over the other person. You know, even Fulgham, they went out and got Travis Fulgham just recently. If they cut, if, he, if he's the first one cut, it wouldn't be surprising even a little bit. I mean, the, the, the Detroit Lions waived him for a reason. So, I mean, obviously with Darius Shepard, there's that dynamic that we really liked him last year, especially what he can do on special teams. But he didn't do any of that in the regular season. He looked really good in the preseason. He did not look good at all in the regular season. And then they just didn't really give him any opportunities. I remember we were all wanting to see more Darius Shepard, right? What can he do on the offense? What could he do as a wide receiver? And he just, we never really saw him. And so, I mean, it, it's really, if I had a more of a dice roll than a coin flip, but I'm just going to say Malik Taylor. Obviously, prior to, back when I did this, it was uh, Devin Funchess made this a lot easier. But the only reason I'm saying that's six foot three, two twenty. That's it. I mean, it's just, he just fits that mold. If it's really just a coin flip and we don't have a lot of information, just give me the big body guy that can go out and block, right? And can, you know, maybe be a red zone target or whatever it is that they're so obsessed about with massive tight end-ish wide receivers, that's what they're getting here. So again, it's 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 not that important at this point. And, and to be honest, it wouldn't even be surprising if they went with five just for that reason of you're not adding anything. And if we, we could put these guys on the practice squad and not really lose anything, especially with an expanded practice squad and then add a player somewhere else. But for the sake of the exercise, we're going to put in Malik Taylor here. Next up was offensive tackle. And offensive line is really, really difficult because you have like flex players. And so you'll have guys that are tackle slash guards and guards slash centers and so it was kind of hard to weed through all that and, and really nail down who's a tackle who's a guard and who's a center and in, in one instance I even split it in half we had two in, in 2016 I just said forget it we have two and a half guards and one and a half centers because I just it's too hard to, to, to differentiate but tackles have been shockingly consistent going back to 2010 the amount of tackles that we've had are Four, three, 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 four, four, three, three. So basically, the Packers keep three tackles. Occasionally, they'll keep four, but the answer is three. So that really makes it somewhat easy if you know who two are, Bakhtiari and Wagner. The, the question really comes down to who's going to be your backup tackle. And again, it gets tricky depending on how they want to do it, right? Maybe they could keep Lane Taylor and use him as a backup tackle. That's not what I did, but I'm just, just to give you an idea of how complex it can be. Nobody looks at him as a tackle because he's a guard, but he might be the best backup tackle we have. Or maybe they'll consider Billy Turner as their backup tackle, even though he's a starting guard. I mean, you know, it's still a weird kind of a, a situation. But, it, you know, for the sake of the exercise, I kept it the way that they have it here. We've got John LeGlue, Yash Nijman, Alex Light, Cody Conway, and Travis Bruffy. And of that group, the guy I feel the best about is Alex Light, just in terms of having been there before, been there, done that. And so that was it. It's Bakhtiari, Wagner, and Alex Light as the backup tackle. At guard, again, really kind of iffy, but I've got it at starting at 2010, 4 3 2 3 3 4 2 and a half, 3 3 4. So the lowest is 2, that was a one off. The highest is 4. So it's, it's kind of like tackle, where basically it's three to four guards, with the average being three. So again, you get your two starters and you get your one backup. And sometimes it's not even really that. There was a situation before where it was like one guy that was your interior backup. But again, we've got fairly clearly Elton Jenkins and Turner 
And actually, Arlads has Lane Taylor as the starting left guard. Clearly, that's not the situation. Although I understand why they might do that, because Lane Taylor was a starting guard last year, then he got hurt, and that's what brought Elton Jenkins in. But there's no way they're replacing Elton Jenkins with Lane Taylor. He, he got the job. He won it. Even if we thought Taylor was slightly better, which I don't think anyone does, they're not giving it back. He's Our second-round pick has proved that he is a starting guard in the NFL, and that's that's it. That's That's all you need. Now the question comes down to, do we keep Lane Taylor as sort of a top-tier offensive guard. And to be completely honest, I'd rather probably have Taylor than Billy Turner, but I don't think that's going to happen either because we paid a ton of money, and the Packers love Billy Turner, although I don't really quite understand why. But it is what it is. It's going to be Elton Jenkins. It's going to be Billy Turner. The question is, do we keep Lane Taylor or not? And I'm saying not. Not because he's not the better. Again, I think he's the second-best guard on this team. But they've already decided he's not going to be a starter. And when you've got a guy that is a veteran, that is not going to be a starter, I don't know that they want to put him back as a backup. I think it's one of those things where, although it seems to be common sense, you want to keep your best players. If you look at what teams do and if you look at what the Packers have done, part of their job is to find ways to replace older guys so you don't have to pay them. And I think in their mind, we don't have to pay him, so we're not going to. And especially with the, you know, the salary cap being what it is, we need to cut as many people as we don't need as possible. And so although Lane is only making $2.4 million and we're only saving a million bucks by cutting him, that's still a million dollars. And so in his place, I am going to put one of the uh, six-round picks. I'm putting uh, John Runyon in that spot. So I have my starting guards. I have Jenkins, Turner, and Runyon. At center, um, similarly consistent, but the number I've got is two. Again, it's, it's kind of iffy. But two, 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 one point five, two, three, and two. So it's always two. Right? It's, it's, they had three apparently in 2018, but even that again was kind of iffy. So the, the number generally is two. Obviously, well, I shouldn't even, even say obviously. Corey Lindsley is, is a Mike Daniels type guy. He's a guy that you look at and say, no, we're not getting rid of Corey Lindsley. He's a great player. He's going to be fine. We're good. Let's just play it and let's not even discuss. And then he's a shocking, you know, he's the big shocking cut of the year. And the, and the biggest reason it wouldn't be all that shocking is because unlike, uh, Lane Taylor, Cutting Corey Lindsley would save a ton of money. The Packers would save $8.5 million by letting someone else play center. And, and here's the other thing to consider. It's not a part of what I've done, but if we do decide to keep Lane Taylor, who would be cheaper than Corey Lindsley, Elton Jenkins played center in college. From everything I've heard, as good of a guard as Elton Jenkins is, he's much better as a center. So take as good as he was last year and, and assume he's only going to be better if we move him inside. Then you have Lane Taylor and Billy Turner at guard, and Elton Jenkins at center, and Corey Lindsley is moved on from. And then we got three six-round picks that can backfill the interior. It's not an impossibility. Again, Elton Jenkins is a center. They moved him to guard, and he did a great job. Now, it doesn't have to be that way, but it's, it's one of those things that you don't think is going to happen because it feels unnecessary. He's a great center. We've got a good thing going. Let's just not mess it up. But again, I don't expect them to keep him anyways. He needs a contract next year. I don't think he's going to get it. So if we can move on this year, why wouldn't we? Well, for the sake of this year, I guess. But, you know, again, same thing as Mike Daniels. Why, if you don't have to? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not not telling you what I would do necessarily. We're looking at, you know, what the Packers, how they operate. Especially with offensive line. They just don't mess around. We got somebody else, Goodbye. Again, the, the, the biggest issue with that is Lane Taylor, who I don't expect to be around for a long time, meaning if we temporarily move Lane into that spot and get rid of Corey Lindsley, we have an offensive line now, 
but we're basically establishing the fact that one of these sixth-round picks, pending what we do in the future, is going to have to step up and be a starter. Right? Unless in 2021 we get a, a, another second-round guard or something, a guy that we feel can come in year one and play, one of these sixth-round picks is going to be a starter because Lane Taylor's not sticking around. Even if we pay him beyond this year, which we, we could and he probably wouldn't be all that expensive, we're talking about him being 32 years old and the Packers just don't do that. Right? It's one of those things we offer him a, a small contract, you know, give him another two million bucks to stick around, see if he'll take it. He probably will, and and you know. But anyways, for now, with what I did, we we are keeping Corey Lindsley and uh, putting Jake Hansen, another of the six round picks, behind Lindsley as our number two. So our entire offensive line would be Bakhtiari, Wagner, Jenkins, Turner, and Lindsley. So same offensive line. Our backups would be Hansen, Runyon, and Alex Light. Now at tight end, the lowest we've ever kept at tight end was two that only happened once in 2015 the highest and you probably will remember this was in 2011 when we kept five tight ends it was a it was a big deal right why the amount of tight ends is nuts the thing is though we almost every year keep about four tight ends again in order here four five four 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 two three three four four so four is kind of the standard. The average is actually 3.7 so you round up to four so four is kind of what we're working with although it Feels like in my mind, three is kind of the number. Four is the standard. So that makes it actually extremely easy for me. Because we know Jason DeGuara, and we can be pretty confident that Mercedes Lewis would be on that list, right? The only reason he gets cut down is if, I don't know if we're keeping two, I guess. And so then it comes down to newly converted James Looney, Evan Bayless, or Robert Tanyan. So, I mean, it's Robert Tanyan. (laughs) So, I mean, this one's this one's easy. Now, the only question is, could this be another year where we only keep three, which is possible, but the, the, the biggest issue with that is we'd have to choose between Tanyan and Mercedes, and I've said this before, probably last year, but the, the biggest issue is you don't want to, similar to what I said with the offensive line, if you cut the, the young guy, Tanyan, and the rest of these guys in favor of a guy that you know is only going to be around for another year before you cut him, now you're kind of cutting yourself off at both ends. Because Tanyan's gone, he's going to get picked up somewhere else. And the next year, Lewis is gone, and now you don't have either of them. And although, obviously, uh, Jason and DeGuara are your guys, wh- where, what's your depth at that point? Point is, it'd be nice to be able to hang on to Tanyan as a, a perennial number three until we find somebody else that can kind of fill those shoes, a Richard Rodgers type, and get another fifth-round tight end or something. But either way, again, we got four, so that makes it easy. Lewis, Tanyan, Jason, DeGuara. Quarterback. Obviously, they've only ever, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but they have only ever kept two or three. Generally, it is two, though. In order, two, 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 three, 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 two, two, two. So there was a stretch between 2014 and 2016 where they kept three. Otherwise, it's always two. And so the average is actually 2.3, which would make it Rodgers in love. But as I said, I've got that one extra. I decided to put it at quarterback. That's going to cause pain basically next. Actually, it doesn't have to. Never mind because I, I have to change this a little bit since when I actually did this. But yeah, th- there's nothing really to explain here. It's either two or three, which means it's either Rogers and Love or it's Rogers, Love, and Boyle. There's there's not a whole lot of discussion here, and it, it seems as though they alluded to the fact of keeping three, but that doesn't mean they have to. Then for running back, the issue was at the time, fullback is a category, and they've never had zero fullbacks. They just have never had that. It's from 2010, 2-1-1-1-1-2-1-1-1-1. And so at the time, we had a fullback, and so I put the fullback in that spot. Now, we don't have one. Uh, our lads counts Josiah DeGuara as a fullback, and, and maybe that is the case in terms of 
that's what we're using in lieu of a fullback is an H-back, right? The, the sort of tight end fullback hybrid. And then on top of that, you've got guys like A.J. Dillon that can kind of fill in that role. So, so there's enough overlap between tight end Josiah DeGuara and your running backs that you don't actually need somebody to be a fullback. You can have Josiah line up as a fullback or Mercedes line up as a fullback and play that role if you need it in a certain situation. And so I will get rid of my fullback and add in a fourth running back because for running back, there is anywhere between two and four. The average is 3.2, meaning at that time, if I don't use my extra piece for running back, I was stuck with only three. And that really, really sucked. But now that I'm getting rid of the fullback, I will move him over to running back, and that leaves us with... And I'm, I'm not even going to say this is a simple situation, because this is another one where something crazy could happen. Now, I, I, I don't expect them to move on from Aaron Jones. That would just be insane. And, and the only way in which they would ever do that is in a trade. If they cut Aaron Jones and let somebody just pick him up, that would be, that would be riot territory. But that's more of a hold-your-breath thing, I think, for next year. Are they going to bring him back? Are they going to let him walk? Obviously, we all want him back, but we also want the salary cap to be healthy so that we can have a good team for years to come. So it's just, it's not something you want to even consider. But at this point, we do have Aaron Jones. We do have A.J. Dillon. The question then comes down to what do we do beyond this? Obviously, this the simple answer, and it's what I do have here, is Jamal and Dexter. Some things to consider. Jamal Williams is also up for a contract next year. Now, we can say with 100% certainty we're not paying Jones and Jamal. If we don't pay Jones, is it possible we do pay Jamal and then run with Dylan hopefully as being our number one, Jamal being our reliable number two, who's getting a much smaller contract. It's not like he's getting a $10 million deal. He'll get a contract, but only what he's worth. And then we have Dexter, who's also on a rookie contract. In other words, if we plan on cutting Aaron Jones next year, or letting him walk, I should say, then it's more likely we keep Jamal. If we're planning on keeping Aaron Jones we pretty much know we're not going to run with Jamal, and he becomes somewhat redundant. Because the the role that Jamal fills is with A.J. Dillon. And then there's the third option, that we don't intend on keeping Jones, and we're still not going to keep Jamal anyways, because he's still redundant. And so we, we believe in Dexter Williams, and we've also got Tyler Irvin, who we like, who, you know, plays a role as sort of a running back wide receiver hybrid. We actually split out more than he ever played in the backfield. And that would also give us an opportunity to look at, uh, you know, Patrick Taylor, Demaria Crockett, whatever. Whoever it is we want to look at or keep or whatever. So Aaron Jones, we know, is is at least safe for a year. A.J. Dillon clearly is the second-round pick is going to be on the team. After that, I don't know with any certainty. And that includes Dexter Williams. Dexter was a sixth-round pick, which is clearly not a guarantee of anything. Although I, I liked Dexter in the small samples that we saw him, the Packers clearly didn't feel any need to put him on the field very often. So then you start to look at Dexter and say, well, what if we are planning on keeping Jamal and we don't really care for Dexter all that much and we're not getting rid of Aaron or A.J. Dillon this year, then you got a situation where you have your three and you need one more and you don't feel like you're going to be keeping Dexter. So then you'd roll with somebody else, Tyler Irvin or whatever. So after the top two, it becomes really tricky. Again, this, this would be pending an Aaron Jones trade, but again, we don't know anything about A.J. Dillon. As excited as I am, it would be insane to me. Granted, it may be a, a, a little bit of a wasted talent, and I don't know what the plan is, but if the plan is we're going to run A.J. Dillon into the ground, you know, he's getting 18 carries a game, that relegates Aaron Jones to, you know, eight carries and a handful of passes. We're underutilizing him. 
and it's possible there's more value in a trade. And I, you know, I, we're talking about a 1% chance. I'm just thinking through what could possibly happen that would make Aaron Jones not be here. But again, it, we don't know anything about A.J. Dillon. He could be a terrible running back. And so, obviously, if we have any intention of uh, taking or making a run at this year, it's it's going to happen with Aaron Jones. So anyways, long story slightly shorter. For now, I just went the easy route. Jones, Dylan, Jamal, and Dexter. But there are some decisions to be made. And, and they're not necessarily even that hard of decisions. It's just hard for me from my vantage point because I don't know what the Packers are thinking about the future. For all I know, they're like, no, we're doing, we're, we're paying Aaron Jones. And we got A.J. Dillon. And, you know, Jones is going to be like our Kamara. And Dillon is going to be the, the banger between the tackles. And we're keeping Jamal. And we're, you know, I, I don't know. But there you go. Fullback again, I dropped to zero in this unusual situation because we don't really have anybody and we can call Josiah that or whatever. It doesn't really matter. So I kind of broke my own rule by having zero when the average is one. But, you know, fine. Dexter's our fullback. There you go. Fixed it. All right. Switching over to defense now. Um, Starting with defensive tackle. This has been another one that's incredibly consistent, which kind of takes a little bit of the fun out of it, but it's a good reference to have. Um, For the last, since 2015, it's been six. The only two years in which it wasn't six was 2013 and 2014. 2013, we had eight. 2014, we had five. Otherwise, it's all sixes. So the answer to this question, and if you're doing a 53, you might want to try to make sure you have six because it's almost always six. And so, again, pending anything kind of crazy, and I don't really expect anything crazy because we have so many question marks. All right, I mean, you could look at a guy like Dean and say, you know, it's not really working. Although we can't really cut Dean because we just paid him and we would end up out money. But, okay, Lancaster, whatever. The point is we, we just don't have a real big amount of, of talent. You could say we really believe in Kingsley Kiki, but Tyler Lancaster is a completely different type of player than Kingsley Kiki. I think the one the one guy you got to watch out for for not even making it would be Montrevious. But the problem is there's nobody really behind him that I can comfortably put into that spot other than to just assume they're going to cut him because they don't like him and I can just put anybody in there. But I, I feel like it would, you'd be better off giving him one last chance. He's a third-round pick. Give him one more chance to prove that he can do something and then move on after that. Because, you know, there's not like somebody waiting in the wings to, to prove anything. You can have everybody. And so I just, I just kept it simple. I got Tyler Lancaster, Kenny, uh, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, Montrevious Adams. And then, again, almost no options. Um, I'm looking at Willington, Pavilion, and Delonte Scott, both of which are undrafted free agents. And even Delonte, they've got listed as a linebacker on the Packers roster. So guess what that leaves us with? Willington, Pavilion. <laughs> I mean, there would have been James Looney, but they, they're trying to convert him to a tight end. So really, I mean, there's... As best as I can see it right now, we only have six. Uh, our lads has Jonathan Garvin and Delonte Scott along the defensive line, but uh, the Packers list both of them as linebackers. Jonathan Garvin is our seventh-round pick. He's like 258 pounds, so clearly he's he's a pass-rushing outside linebacker. He's not a defensive lineman. So we only have six. So again, that's what makes it hard to get rid of Montrevious. What are, who are we putting in his spot? I mean, it's almost just out of spite at that point. We're, we're only keeping five because I just want to get rid of Montrevious. So... Again, defensive line is, is simple. Looking at edge, the average is actually 4.7, but I think 4 is probably the most common number. I did just stick with the, the average and, and call it 5, but it's between 4 and 6 since 2010. It's been 4, 6, 4, 4, 6, 5, 6, 4, 4, 4. 
And so obviously Smith, Smith, and Gary represent three of them. And then for the final two, kind of gets a little bit tricky, but I'm going to say Randy Ramsey does not make it. And instead, I'm going to go with Jonathan Garvin, who I mentioned is our seventh round pick, and then also Tipigalea. Again, it doesn't really matter, but just from the standpoint of wanting to see what these guys can do, and with Garvin being a draft pick, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy how thin it is. But, you know, a lot of these guys are going to end up on the practice squad if we need to call somebody up. But, I mean, it's, I mean, what happens if two guys get injured? I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, if, if you have, let's say, you know, I don't want to give anybody nightmares, but if, if Preston goes down for the season and you have a situation where Zadarius gets hurt for, you know, like a couple plays, what, who are our outside linebackers? You got Rashawn Gary and what? Jonathan Garvin, our seventh round pick. That's not good. So the, the depth, I mean, it's, it's a big drop off. We've got a great duo in Preston and Zadarius. And you know I, I like um, Rashawn to take a step, but man, it just it's just you got your three, and then it's just like undrafted free agents after that. Um, inside linebacker again, four is kind of the magic number with a couple exceptions here. So from 2010, it's four, four, six, five, four, four, three, four, four, four. So three is the lowest, six is the highest, four point two is the average. So it's hard keeping four. Obviously, uh, I shouldn't say I, I got to stop saying obviously because it's not obvious. Christian Kirksey is obvious. Um, Oren Burks is relatively obvious, but he's somewhat of a Montrevious Adams type of guy in that he's on extremely thin ice. He's been a really, really bad football player, and you, you love his upside and you love his potential, but he has not lived even close to that. Another third-round pick. Again, the Packers are just, it's just brutal in the third round, man. We're getting better in the first round. We're basically perfect in the second round. Fourth round is kind of a magic round. Third round, though, is just brutal, man. But we're going to hang, and again, a lot of it, similar to defensive line, is there's just not that many guys. You're giving me four. I don't think I even want four. But Kirksey and Berksey, um, they're going to be our top two guys. Plus, I just like saying that. I'm going to hang on to Ty Summers because I think there was some potential, some upside that the Packers liked. I don't really think he's going to be all that great of a player, but I think he's just kind of above and beyond what a lot of the other guys behind him are, especially in terms of upside, his athleticism and whatnot. After that, it's somewhat of a, a toss-up. Curtis Bolton right now is on pop, and I don't think he's... I know we got excited about him for a while, but I, I don't see a ton. So I'm putting Ty in that spot. And obviously the, the number three, I forgot to even say it, is Kamal Martin, the guy that we drafted. Now, it's, it's also entirely possible that Kamal Martin takes Oren Burke's spot. Not that I'm the biggest Kamal Martin fan in the world, but, you know, neither am I a big Oren Burks fan. So either way, you got Christian Kirksey, Oren Burksey. It's just fun to say that. Kamal Martin, who we drafted, and Ty Summers to be the number four, uh, you know... We do have a couple undrafted free agents and Curtis Bolton, but whatever. We, that's what practice squad is for. Especially with no, that, that's the other thing to factor in. With, with no real, you know, preseason or, or even training camp um, not being what you'd like it to be, there's not going to be as much information, so I think they're going to be less likely to move on from some of the guys we know with, you know, to replace a Ty Summers with a Chris Barn. Based on what? Unless it's just we just don't want Ty Summers on the field, in which case, why is he even on the roster now? He wouldn't be. Everybody that's on the roster now, they at least have some inkling that maybe they could show something. Or we just want to stash them, you know. But again, relatively straightforward for me. If we're keeping four, that would be the four. Unless there is somebody, again, that we just want to move on from. But even in that situation, you want to believe that there's somebody behind them pushing them out. And in this case, there just isn't. Uh, Corner. The most corners we've ever kept was eight, and that was uh, 2018. The least was five, and we've done that twice. That was 2012 and 2016. 
but it's it's pretty dead on with six. The average is 6.1, and so we've got Jair, we've got King. I think Jackson is, is more or less a lock, maybe not long-term. He's got to prove himself, but I don't see any reason in which we would want to move on now. Uh, I think Kadar gets another shot, so that would be four. And then from here, based on the way that the roster is now, you've got Stanford Samuels, who's an undrafted free agent, as well as Will Sunderland. I heard a lot of good things about Stanford Samuels. You know, when I was going through after the draft, who are some of the names that you knew? Stanford Samuels was one of the better available undrafted free agents once that kicked off. So there's, you know, that list of guys that everybody really likes that that people thought maybe would get drafted. Stanford Samuels was the one guy on the list that the Packers got that everyone's like, oh yeah, this guy could be good. Now that doesn't mean much, but you know, if I have to pick between two guys I don't know anything about that are both undrafted free agents, I'm going with the guy that some people really like. So we've got Kevin King, Jair, I think I forgot Chandon, and Jackson, that's four. And then we got Kadar and we got Stanford Samuels, that's six. And this, this is kind of, you know, it's not a big deal to have unknown guys at the end of your roster when you've got you know, it's not like edge rusher where there's a very real possibility we're in trouble. I mean, obviously, if Jair gets hurt, we're in trouble either way. But in terms of depth, I like Chandon. I, I feel confident that Josh Jackson could take a step. So we've got guys on that second tier that I think can play. And then Kadar, I don't have a ton of hope in, but there's there's the possibility. I mean, I know on, as far as PFF, you graded out really well. He only played like five snaps, but there's possibly something there. And so uh, although you're going to be carrying people on the roster that maybe just aren't very good at all because you don't have a ton of depth. We have enough depth, sort of that mid-tier depth at cornerback where it's a drop-off, but you also kind of look at it and go, I don't know, they might, they might pan out. Whereas off, off the edge, if, if Preston or Zadarius get hurt, you're like, oh no. Rashawn, you better, man. You better be ready. Because that's, that's the whole thing. Preston and Zadarius are the whole thing right now. And, and the, the gap between those two really good players and whatever's behind them again, pending Rashawn, um, can be pretty massive. Especially when you consider having three of those guys on at once, right? There are times when it's going to be Zadarius, Preston, and Rashawn. And if Zadarius goes out for a couple plays, the replacement of Zadarius with, you know, Tipa Galea or Jonathan Garvin is just, ugh, scary stuff. Uh, safety, the average is between 3 and 6, with the average being 4.4. So rate it between 4 and 5. In the last four years, it's been different. 2016, we had six. 2017, we had five. 2018, we had three. 2019, we had four. Prior to that, and all this chaos, it was four, four, five, four, four, five. So it, it was pretty consistent between four and five. Um, but the average at 4.4, we're going to four. Be quiet, please. That's my I gotta go alarm. Fortunately, we're basically done. And um, pretty straightforward, at least for the top three. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos are the starters. Raven Green is a guy that uh, I think pretty much everybody likes fans. I think the, the team likes him. I think uh, not necessarily because of anything he said, but just by how much he's been pushed onto the field, it seems relatively clear that Mike Patton really likes the guy. So I think those are going to be our top three for sure. The question is, what do you do after that? Uh, Will Redmond is an option and is a consideration. He's actually higher up on this list, but probably because Raven Green got hurt and didn't play as much. But I'm actually going to give the nod to Vernon Scott. I think, you know, when when you've got guys like Will Redmond who are undrafted free agents that have been around for a while that you know are, you know, they, they can be put on the field, but they're not giving you very much. And they're number four on, on your depth chart. Sometimes you roll the dice, right? Because Will Redmond isn't going to be sticking around forever anyway. Vernon Scott maybe isn't going to be able to do what Will Redmond does. But I feel confident enough, obviously, in the fact that these guys are hardly ever going to see the field anyway, to replace Will Redmond with Vernon Scott and just see what he can do. 
because there's a good chance he can at least be up to the standard of Will Redmond. Even if it takes a little bit of time, you, you just hope and, and pray that Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Raven Green stay healthy so you don't have to push him out there prematurely. But I could definitely see them moving on from Will Redmond. And then there's there's several other people it could be if Vernon's if they don't care for Vernon Scott. But again, there's not a lot to see here. But we got Mark Antoine DeCroix, Henry Black, and Deshaun Amos. It would be kind of cool to have Deshaun Amos and Adrian Amos, but you know whatever. And then other than that, it's just the specialists. You got Crosby, Scott, and uh, Bradley, Hunter Bradley, who I know there's the the COVID thing. But again, we're already seeing guys coming back from the the COVID list right they they go on it and they test negative and then they come back and that's my expectation for for Bradley it, it doesn't mean they're done for the season so if you see somebody gets added to the the COVID uh you know IR or whatever it's not like a traditional thing where you got to be out for half the season or for the full season or whatever it's just until you are you know two negative tests or whatever then you come back depending on why you're out or whatever so that's it again there's a lot that you can do, and we're going to be learning quite a bit. Uh, we still have a bunch of cutdowns coming up very, very shortly. I think Saturday is our first practice, and something like Sunday they've got to get down to 80. So they're not going to have a lot. But after they get down to 80, and after we hear a little bit about about practice or whatever information we're able to get out of there, um, I'll plan on revisiting and looking at the 53 and maybe doing it the way that I usually do it and maybe just using this as sort of a reference so that I don't have, you know, if you want to keep eight defensive tackles, you can, but that's only happened once, and it's usually six. You know what I mean? I mean, not that I would do that because we don't even have eight, but you get what I'm saying, right? You use this as a reference to say it's not impossible, but maybe rethink that, right? Or or six safeties. Like, yeah, it's, again, it, it could happen, but it's only happened once in the last 10 years, so I don't know about all that. But um, anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting to look at, and again, I'm going to try to remember to throw this up on Patreon so all of the patrons can at least take a look at it, use it as a reference if you want to do your own 53 or whatever. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.